Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Canton. It's a real pleasure to welcome you to today's program. Today, we're exploring an exciting topic, ethical fundraising. Now, we all know that ministry often resorts and needs finances to, to run a ministry. And today, we're delighted that we have a specialist to join us. Her name is Lilia Wagner. Lilia, welcome. Thank you. Lilia, just tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, your role and what you do. I head the Department of the North America Division, which is a consulting office, philanthropic service for institutions. And we assist uh, any organization affiliated with the Adventist Church. And I'm also employed by Indiana University Center on Philanthropy, which is considered the premier center for that topic. So I have those two roles. Well, it sounds like you're busy. I am. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much once again for joining us. Thank you. I'm just wondering, would, would you be able to do define ethical for us in the context of ethical fundraising? What is, how, how do you define ethical? One of my favorite phrases for it is what was coined by Independent Sector, which is a major association in Washington, D.C. of about 800 members, uh, major nonprofits. And they did a study and also some materials, and the title was Obedience to the Unenforceable. So ethics is a set of moral values that you internalize as an organization and also you personally. It's not a set of rules, right. but we should have policies that adhere to those decisions. Okay. Now, I, I imagine that in fundraising, there, there is quite a continuum in the sense there is ethical fundraising, and at the other end of the extreme, there is illegal fundraising. And I imagine that there's kind of steps along that way. W would you like to walk us through that, that continuum from illegal to ethical fundraising? Well, on one end, there are the rules, whether government or our organizational rules of what is right and what isn't. And one example of that was when I was doing fundraising in higher education. And what I thought was a donor called me and said, I'll give you $5,000. And I was thanking him. Of course. And then he said, and I want you to put it on Joe Smith's bill. Now, that's illegal because then I cannot give him a tax deduction for a supposed donation, and I could jeopardize my organization's 501c3, the tax designation. So let me just make sure I'm understanding. A donor was offering making a donation of $5,000, but instead of it just being for a straight donation, the money was to go onto a student's fees. And so it's a payment. Okay. And so that is illegal according to the tax laws that govern nonprofits. Right. Now, if we move to the other end, some things are clearly unethical. <laughs> for example, if I say I'm raising money for the Haiti crisis, let's say. Yes. But you give me money 
and I channel it into my own pocket, oh. or I decide, oh, wait a minute, I don't need it for that. I need to put it into this cause. That's unethical. That's a violation of donor trust, and it is simply unethical. But if you come toward the middle of both those poles, there are times when we have ethical dilemmas mm -hmm. where it isn't as clear-cut as it is on either end, where perhaps for some organizations it might be okay. And those decisions are difficult to make. That's why we call them ethical dilemmas. Uh, can you give us an example of what you've encountered as an ethical dilemma? One of the first things I think of was actually an incident that occurred in New Orleans. This was pre-Katrina, right? and it was a Christian school, and they were having a difficult time, as sometimes small schools do. Yes. And as they thought they were just going to go under, and there was a prominent uh, entertainer who was from that area, and he offered to give enough money so they could float through the year and then figure out how they were going to be sustainable, which, of course, is an important word, the sustainability. Mm -hmm. Well, this is and sounding good so far. <laughs> it sounded terrific. But it actually hit the newspapers across the United States because, as it turned out, the more they looked at the donor and what he did they found out that his lyrics, he was, it was a musical expression, were very offensive to women. So now, up to a certain point, it sounds fine, but do you want that image? Do you want to be connected with that? And you begin to weigh, is the saving the school more important? Is it the image? How does it all work together? And that was a real ethical dilemma. Mm. Can I ask which way you went on this? Well, I didn't, but the leader of that particular congregational area yes. said, if it's going to save my school, it taint tainted. And they took the money, saved the school, and okay. it was okay. And but you can't count on that. Exactly. You see, that's where the dilemma part comes in. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it calls for some serious decision-making if you're going to have to resolve those, and it's not an easy matter. Okay. Well, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? So with, with fundraising, we can face the illegal right through to the unethical. Can, can you give us a further example of an, another unethical example? Earlier, you, you talked about diverting money from, from the cause. Is there any other examples that you can help us with? Well, raising money under false pretenses. Uh, some organizations have been accused of presenting a case to their donors of something very, very critical, but it really isn't an emergency. And sometimes that's even counterproductive. It catches up with you. It's like the old parable of the boy crying wolf. But it is unethical to raise funds under false pretenses. Another very serious one for professional fundraisers is we sign a code of ethics from a, of the largest association of fundraising, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, and we sign that code of ethics if we're going to be members. Mm. One of the major things is to not work under a commission. Now, that seems a little bit puzzling until we realize that if I'm asking you for a donation for XYZ cause, but I'm really raising my own salary, 
it's going to confuse you. It's counterproductive for the organization. So that is a very serious ethical infraction if we ask a fundraiser to raise his or her own salary through the donation that he or she is asking for. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for walking us through those steps. There's more that we want to discover about ethical fundraising. We're glad that you've joined us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is ethical fundraising and our guest is Lilia Wagner. Lilia, welcome again. Thank you. Now, how important is it that a fundraiser keep their promises with their donors? Well, on the very practical side, we know that up to 60% of donors might cycle out of giving to an organization. And uh, much of that has to do with how the organization treats them. So 60% will, will give and then they'll, they'll move give on. Again. Right, okay. And we saw that especially during the economic downturn, mm -hmm. people were loyal to those organizations that kept their promises, that treated them well, which means reporting on the use of their money, recognizing their efforts, keeping in touch. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, when we think about if I give you money for something and I expect something to happen, whatever that is, yes. and I don't know what happened to my money, I'm not likely to give again. In fact, I might talk badly about you. Wow. So reporting is important. Yes, it is. Yeah. And verifying that my expectations of what you asked me for, that those promises are kept are really important. And sometimes we have personnel who receive that money. Maybe they don't understand that importance of keeping the promises, mm -hmm. and it violates a donor's trust. Exactly. So it's not only unethical, it's not even practical yeah. to do that. Yeah. Now, Lilia, there's a, there's a model, and I'm eager to see this model that you have for us. It's the Fisher model, is that right? Yes, Marilyn Fisher, is a philosophy professor at University of Dayton in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And she got very interested in fundraising from the ethical standpoint. And so she developed a model which seems simple until you really stop to think about it. Would you like me to illustrate that? We'd, we'd love that. Thank okay. You. The first step of making that decision, and I can use a quick example of a small nonprofit that was an environmental concern and they were, had a shortfall at the end of the year and the executive director who was also a fundraiser was really worried. A phone call comes, a board member says, good news, I've been able to call in a favor and this guy is going to give you half of what you need, which was $20,000. All he wants is a lot of publicity. Okay. So she thanks him, hangs up the phone, and then some of the realities begin to occur to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The potential donor was cited for environmental violations and then, two uh, to three years ago. So here's a question. Does time help? Two or three years for an environmental cause 
This is kind of cleansing the record, is it? <laughs> Might be. We've seen examples of it recently. Mm -hmm. And then there's another problem. This board member was resistant to raising funds, but he says, I called in a favor. So while it could be totally innocent, you have to begin to wonder, what was that favor? So I could go on with the details, but the first thing to think about in making those decisions is this money something that you should take is to consider how does it affect your mission? Does it compromise the mission? Is that what you, you say? It could. Yeah. Is it congruent with your mission? Okay. Does it violate that mission? And here, of course, is a challenge because as I teach and train very widely, many organizations don't know what their mission is. Yeah. It's quite surprising. It might be printed on the back of their business card, but do they really live it? Mm -hmm. Then the second decision that you have to make, I'll illustrate with the other half, which is what kinds of constituents or groups or even image effect does this have? Let's take image. So they take that donation. How does it affect your image in the community? How will other donors feel to be involved in giving where this donation came from that kind of a donor? Maybe it's okay. How will your board feel? And the board is, of course, ultimately the group that holds the organization in trust and is accountable. And there are various other groups. You're standing in the community, of course, the people who volunteer for you. And you have to think about what is the broader effect, which is why we come back to that ethical dilemma. And then finally, in the middle is... What can you live with? Mm. If this shows up in the headlines the next day, whether on the internet or on the local newspaper, that you made this decision, how will you live with it? Will your family be proud of you? And of course, ultimately, I do need to add, it's not the fundraiser's decision alone by any means. The board needs to have a set of policies in place against which to measure these kinds of difficult ethical dilemmas. So, wow, that's, that's a powerful model, isn't it? So th there's, there's the mission to be considered and then all the implications that come from that and then the fundraiser has to live with the choices that have been made for some considerable time afterwards. That's a very helpful model. And the fundraiser, of course, is often seen as the scapegoat unless the board is behind that fundraiser's decision because it shouldn't be the fundraisers alone. And I don't mean just the professional fundraiser. This could apply to the pastors. This could apply to the building committee chair. So whoever is ultimately in charge of that fundraising project. So how can the fundraiser be the scapegoat? What, what, what can happen? What are the implications there? If the you mean the fundraiser makes that decision? Yes. Well, first of all, I'd be shunned by the rest of the professional community. <laughs> but more practically, I would lose a donor's trust. Yeah. And the image of the organization could become such that it would be very, very difficult to raise money mm. again. So. And I would assume that you only get one chance to lose a donor's trust. Well, some people are a little more charitable, but your okay. assumption is mostly correct. <laughs> right, okay, okay. Well, that's a, 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 as I said, a very helpful model and uh, a, a lot to be gleaned from that, from that Fisher model.
We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is ethical fundraising. Our guest is Lilia Wagner. Lilia, welcome again. What, what are the guiding principles, Lilia, that we have in ethical fundraising? I might come back to one of our opening phrases, which said obedience to the unenforceable. And the implication there is that the moral values the beliefs actually that are held by the organization, which could vary, and those are critical. But based on that, there are a couple of major organizations, one I mentioned already, which was independent sector, that the major association in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. and they have listed eth essential values and ethical behaviors. Would you like me to run sure. over those? Sure, yeah. One is commitment beyond self. In other words, it's not about me. It's about the broader implications of the organization and even the cause we're serving. This sounds like there's, there needs to be a commitment to the mission of the actual organization. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And then commitment beyond the law. Sometimes it might not be illegal to do something, but for our particular organization and the values that are represented, it goes beyond the law that we need to adhere to the ethics that are appropriate for that situation. And then commitment for the public good. Mm -hmm. Is it good for the public whom we serve? Respect for the value and dignity of individuals. Tolerance, diversity, and social justice. And here we come to a very critical factor, which has been an issue for the last two decades, always an issue, but more so, which is accountability. And the transparency, the accounting of what it is that we do, especially with the money and what we use it for. Just unpackage that a little for us, the accountability. Where should people share that accountability? How available should it be? Well, it is so important that we have several what we call watchdog organizations. One is the Wise Giving Alliance, give.org, that actually you have to be approved by that. And intelligent donors will check out an organization. Maybe they'll go to guidestar.org, mm -hmm. which has the Form 990s, and they will see how is the money being used. Just tell me, what's a Form 990? The form that, I'm sorry, the form that a nonprofit has to file with the IRS. All right, okay. And so that is definitely a measure of accountability. And mm -hmm. if you cheat on that, you really could be in deep trouble. Okay, so this is a legal issue now. Absolutely. This is not just ethical. Right. Okay. Right, okay. And then openness and honesty goes along with the accountability and obedience to the laws. Mm. So these are the values, the ethical principles that they have enumerated. Right. Now there's another institute, the Josephson Institute, which focuses on ethics. And they have similar values. They have 10 major ethical values. Right. Starts with honesty, concern for others, integrity, respect for others, promise keeping, ah. mm -hmm. law abidingness and civic duty loyalty, pursuit of excellence, 
fairness, and personal accountability. And I could illustrate the last one. I worked for an organization once that was under a very large grant, and the executive director had to file quarterly reports. Well, he would send around the reports by e email for us to have input. And I'll tell you honestly, those were some of the best fiction I had ever read. Really? Fiction? Now, they made me look terrific. But, and there wasn't anything I could say, number one is wrong, number two is wrong. By implication, it was not true. Obviously, I'm not going to name the organization except to say it doesn't exist anymore. So some of these infractions caught up with them. So it isn't as clear-cut as just plain misuse of money. Sometimes those values, if they're violated, can be a death knell for a cause. Yeah. Now, Lilia, you're widely experienced in this, and you've been a very successful and effective fundraiser. Are there some questions that you mentally go through in the process of conversing with a donor? Are there questions that you kind of check through to ensure that everything is going ethically and the way it should? One of the things is to remember that you appeal to both the head and the heart. Mm -hmm. And of, depending on the personality and the approach that an individual requires, some people want to hear the facts first. So there's the ethical aspect. I need to have my facts ready. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know something, I'll go check on those facts. And those facts have to be honest. They have to be correct. If I give illustrations to appeal to your heart, then that better be a true story, too, that somebody could check out. Not just an emotional pull. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if I'm going to ask you for funding, I need to promise you what that money will do. Even if all you can give us $25, what kind of difference will it do for the cause, and maybe as specific as I can get, what that cause accomplishes it. And I have to be honest about that. And then one final thing I would say, it's pretty hard to do fundraising if you're not really committed to the cause. Mm, exactly. Now, Ministry in Motion is for essentially for local churches. Do you have any, an example of a local church that ran a very effective ethical fundraising campaign? Oh my, fortunately there are many. Good, good. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking in particular, now that you've asked me, of a church in South Chicago. Mm -hmm. Their pastor is on my advisory committee. South Chicago is a rather impoverished area. If anybody's been there, it's interesting experience. And yet they want to build a church Mm -hmm. They got an unused bank building that needed a lot of renovation, but they have a commitment to the community. And so as they're planning their fundraising, they're working with me on what are the good steps for a capital campaign. And there is a process that should be followed, and we'd be happy to share that. There's material on our website, and people are free, uh, free to call us for materials. But they're going through a structured campaign, but they're also interfacing with the community, with the local government, and they always have the aim in mind that we're going to make a difference in this community. The building is only a structure. 
is what happens while you're doing that campaign, for whom you're doing it, with what end result in mind. That's the exciting part. That is exciting. Wow, thanks so much for sharing that and thanks for being on Ministry in Motion. My pleasure, thank you. And thank you for joining us on Ministry in Motion as well. If you'd like more information about today's topic or in fact any other topic of Ministry in Motion, join us on our website, ministryinmotion.tv. There you can send us feedback, ask questions and every program that Ministry in Motion has ever produced is available there for you 24-7. But join us next time on Ministry in Motion. But until then, may God richly bless you.